the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Zero. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed it is, and hour number two is underway at nine minutes past ten on this Thursday morning, the 18th morning of the month of October in the year of our Lord, 2018. Thanks again to Daniel Horowitz. I'll tell you what, it could not time up any better. We've had this, uh, my next guest, which is going to be at the bottom of the hour at about 1035, I've had this scheduled for several weeks, not knowing how perfectly it would time up with what's going on right now, with the caravan excuse me, headed from Honduras, now in Guatemala, working its way toward Mexico and ultimately to the United States. It is actually uh, amazing because of uh, the amount of problems that we have with respect to drug runners and cartels and so on and so forth, um, essentially surging across our border. We have a guest scheduled at 1035. His name is Zach Taylor. He is... um, he is um, the president, or excuse me, not president, chairman, rather, chairman uh, and border security expert for the National Association of Former Border Patrol Officers. He's going to join us to talk about uh, uh, a presentation he's giving on Monday to Act for America members by way of Zoom, and it's headlined, Connecting the Dots, Border Insecurity, Politics, and the Opi- Opioid Crisis in America. Uh, these are all just right in uh, the wheelhouse of Daniel Horowitz, who just came on. He does a lot of work on the op- opioid crisis, as well as border security, immigration law, and so on and so forth. So really looking forward to hearing what Zachary Taylor has to say, and that'll be coming up, as I said, at 1035. And then his presentation to Act for America members by way of Zoom will be on Monday. So looking forward uh, to that as well. All right, uh, phone lines are open for this next half hour at 216-901-0945 and 888 one eleven ten. A couple of presidential notes that I think need to be given. First of all, I'm going to double down on my praise of President Trump for his strong, and I do mean strong, statements against this ridiculous 
uh, um, caravan and the ongoing flooding of our border, the president tweeted this morning in a three-part tweet, quote, I am watching the Democrat Party led, because they want open borders and existing weak laws, assault on our country by Guatemala, Honduras, and El Salvador, whose leaders are doing little to stop this large flow of people, including many criminals, from entering Mexico to the U.S., in addition to stopping all payments to these countries, which seems to have almost no control over their population, I must, in the strongest of terms, ask Mexico to stop this onslaught. And if unable to do so, I will call up the U.S. military to close our southern border. The assault on our border, uh, on our country, rather, at our southern border, including the criminal elements and drugs pouring in, is far more important to me as president than trade or the USMCA. Hopefully Mexico will stop this onslaught at their northern border. All Democrats fault for weak laws. And I'm going to hit the, in fact, he tweeted again. Uh, okay, no, this one is not necessarily specific to this issue. It's a uh, support of Dave uh, Bratt in uh, Virginia as far as the 7th uh, con- congressional district race there. But the president's statement, uh, the third of those three tweets that I just read, kind of gives us a little bit of an insight or an answer perhaps into um, what... Um, uh, the what he said either in official terms or in unspoken terms or in just kind of winking and nod in agreement uh, agreement with uh, with the Mexican government. I asked Daniel about this whether or not you know it's likely that the president included some language in the new USMCA that's the U.S. Mexico Canada Agreement on Trade uh, that said if you don't control the other side of the border and stop letting your people and people from other countries just flood into our country, then maybe I'll tear it up. Maybe the USMCA will be no good any longer. We will not hold to it. And his tweet gives us an indication that maybe he did exactly that, doesn't it? He said, the assault on our country, including the criminal elements and drugs pouring in, is far more important to me as president than trade or the USMCA. And that, to me, is an indication that, yes, I will tear that up, and I will not honor it, and it will have a deleterious impact not on the United States, but on Mexico, and probably Canada too, but sorry Canadians, this is all on Mexico. If Mexico doesn't do its part in all of this, in keeping our uh, uh, our sovereign nation, and, and keeping people on their side of their border, you know, why should we be the only side to militarize our, our side of the border? Why aren't the Mexicans militarizing their side? to stop people from breaking the law and violating our sovereignty. So basically, what I'm reading in the president's tweet is an answer to the question that I asked, which is, in truth, would the president tear up the trade agreement if if Mexico doesn't do something about immigration from their side? And it looks like, according to this tweet, he, he has essentially said that. Uh, just one more quick uh, bit of presidential news, and I'll go to phone calls. Anything you want to get into, do it now. 216-901-0945 or 888-281-1110. The President of the United States knows that we have a serious, serious deficit problem. And we have a serious debt problem. And part of that, of course, is the continuing bloating of the federal government. Now, the President said he was going to come and bring conservative principles, fiscally, as well as socially, as well as defense. Uh, and the fiscal part of that has not necessarily lived up to its um, to its billing. We continue to spend like drunken sailors home on leave. It is not a very positive look right now. The national debt continues to climb at an astronomical pace, just as it did under Barack Obama. 
the current federal deficit, the operating federal deficit, is also growing as well, in large part due to some of the president's initiatives, including, obviously, a massive increase in defense spending, which I, by the way, support. I have no problem with that. But the point is, you have to trim the fat elsewhere, right? In order to adjust for that, you have to trim the fat elsewhere. And that is exactly what the president is doing. Yesterday, at a cabinet meeting, he instructed each member to cut at least 5% from their department budgets. Some cabinet secretaries will say, I can do more than 5%, the president said. Get rid of the fat. Get rid of the waste. It will have a huge impact. The Department of Defense will likely receive receive an exemption from this. They probably will not have to cut 5%. And with good reason. It is, uh, you know, well, I don't want to sit here and say it's obviously the most important department, but, uh, but national defense is first and foremost. It is for most of us who are conservative-minded. If we do not have a, a country, uh, if we do not have safe, a safe nation, then obviously the rest of these things is, is irrelevant. So, yes, our national defense needs to stay exactly where it is. During an interview with uh, Fox host Stuart Varney, before the meeting, the president discussed additional ways to reduce spending and boost government uh, revenue through economic growth, which is something that is happening. That is something that is happening. I'll explain more about that in a moment. But uh, the White House released a tip sheet yesterday detailing how the administration continues to work repealing burdensome and, and uh, economically damaging regulations. Quote, an ever-growing maze of regulations, rules, and restrictions has cost our country trillions and trillions of dollars, millions of jobs, countless American factories, and devastated many injuries, the president said in a statement. All right, that's all very, very important. But in terms of the revenues and in terms of where we are um, looking at the, um, uh, the growth of, of uh, business in this country, the growth in the number of jobs and so on and so forth and what that means to us economically, um, there was a really, really gr- great tweet this morning by Charles Payne. And I want to see if I can share this one with you. Charles Payne, um, who, of course, is um, the... Uh, uh, business analyst at uh, Fox News, Charles Payne tweeted, breaking news, Credit Suisse Global Wealth Report, headline, U.S. sees relentless rise in household wealth. The U.S. contributed the most to global wealth, adding $6.3 trillion and taking its total to $98 trillion. This is the Global Wealth Report from the Credit Suisse Research Institute's Global Wealth Report, uh, the most comprehensive source of global household wealth information that exists on the globe. Uh, And the United States is experiencing a relentless rise in household wealth. That means it's working. Your household is, is making more money. You, your spouse, you have more money now than perhaps ever before. We continue that incredible rise due to the tax cuts, due to the deregulations. All of these things are so extraordinarily important. And yes, while we continue to reap the benefits of this, the tax revenues will continue to rise. Tax revenues, the more money you have, the more taxes you are going to pay, although at a lower rate, because of the president's tax cuts and the Republicans' tax cuts that Democrats did not vote for, you will pay a lower tax rate, but overall there will be more taxes flowing to the government in the form of sales tax as well and everything that you buy with your new wealth, with your new increased household median incomes. 
And so while you're doing well, and that's a great thing, revenues will rise, will rise. If we balance that increased federal revenue that they're taking in with smart spending cuts, as the president is asking all of his cabinet-level departments to do by cutting 5%, we will get the deficit under control in no time. And then we can start working on actually paying down that national debt. The one thing that I would regret, I would say I regret thus far in the Trump presidency, is that it looks very much like the Obama presidency, and which looked very much like the Bush presidency, in that the national debt continues to skyrocket. You know, we all have great ideas and grandiose plans, but then when the rubber hits the road, uh, we got to spend this, oh, we got to spend that, oh, we got to spend this, and the debt just continues to climb. Barack Obama doubled the national debt of the first 43 presidents that they had amassed combined. President Trump is on the same pace. We need to get that under control. That starts with federal deficits, shrinking them, and that includes shrinking our spending while the uh, revenues actually continue to roll in despite the tax cuts, which is a big deal. Your phone calls right after this on AM 1420, The Answer. All right, 1025 now, the Bob France Authority on AM 1420, The Answer. To the phones we go, as promised, and BJ is in North Olmsted, up on AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, BJ. Hi, Bob. I'd like to segue into something that's going to be a major issue probably after this November election. Donald Trump alluded to it, but it's despite all these humanistic problems that are going on, there's something that's going to be very, very major. And it's what really controls our government. It's really what controls the American population and the global. Above President Jackson's picture is three words, Federal Reserve Note. The Federal Reserve Bank raised the interest rates, and it got Donald Trump all upset because he realized it was going to hurt people borrowing and spending on on manufacturing, on homes, on uh, transactions in business. The Federal Reserve Bank, which was brought in in 1913 under Woodrow Wilson, can cause more damage and will cause more damage. And if you watch those that are going to protect it and stand up for it, you might ask Mr. Uh, Daniel Horowitz about the Federal Reserve Bank and get some of his explanation. You might get positive results from it. It is going to be the noose around Donald Trump's neck, and they're going to pull that noose on him as prosperity grows. They don't want him to succeed. The Federal Reserve Bank is the enemy of the American public, greater than war, greater than anything else, and you're going to be more and more aware of it. And I know the public is not going to grasp this. Their eyes are going to glaze over hearing about it when you talk about these situations. They understand people marching up from other countries and other walls. But this is going to be the major issue in this administration. That's my prediction. And God willing, the American public will be able to wake up and understand that the Federal Reserve Bank is not part of the federal government and maybe should be. Thank you for your time. BJ, I'll say this. You're right about Daniel Horowitz being a person to ask about this. He is always very dialed into the Federal Reserve. And if anybody would be able to make a lot of sense of that and stop our eyes from glazing over and make sure that it's understandable in uh, in just the right size bites, it would be Daniel. So I will keep that in mind. Thank you, sir. Appreciate your call. Frank and Brooke Park, you're next. Go ahead, sir. Hello? Yes, sir. You're on the air. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I'm going to talk about a grand opening that happened about 13 years or more ago. It was held at 
the preterm abortion clinic on Shaker Boulevard. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, there were three women. In fact, I think the women were the ones that found out about it that pray with me at the abortion chambers there on Shaker Boulevard at the time, at that time, too. And what occurred was the grand opening was announced by preterm abortion clinic inviting anyone to go to their open house. They were having a grand opening of the offices of NARAL Pro-Choice Ohio, because from that time on, they've been based in Cleveland, NARAL, National Abortion Rights Action League, on their top floor, the fourth floor of the building. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we were there, had the tour. It was an open house, even up the abortion chamber, but things were really sanitized. I think they had the stirrups covered up with sheets. But in any case, uh, we're sitting, we walked through the building, and then the the uh, tour ended at the top floor where NARAL Pro-Choice Ohio would then be residing as the new occupants. And we sat there, and the, 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 the director of the abortion clinic spoke to us with the various things she talked about. And then she said, and we're honored tonight to have with us Congressman Sherrod Brown, I turned in my seat, and there he was, three rows behind me, smiling while they were applauding him. It's so wonderful that our then-congressman was there at the grand opening. And I wanted to get that out because the three women, thank goodness, they knew about the grand opening, and it was open to anyone. So I put on a suit and tie, dressed up. Some of them, kind of, the old people, kind of recognized. They were looking at me and wondering what my name was. I had my real name on. And... I'm like, you know, for a guest of a grand opening. Sure, sure, I got you. I wanted to point that out, that this, he actually was, he's been involved with this evil for a long time. Seven years as a congressman, the U.S. congressman, and now 12 years as our senator. We need to replace him. This is evil stuff going on. They're killing babies. They're there, and their offices, I think, were originally near rails. And they're celebrating it. They're killing babies, and they're celebrating it. And his wife is writing about how wonderful it is in her newspaper columns. It is, it is every bit the epitome of evil. I could not agree more, and I could not think of a better way to say, get this man out of a position of power in the United States government where he can continue to legislate the, 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 the evil that you just described. Get him out. Vote for Jim Renacy and get Sherrod Brown and his fellow baby-killing uh, advocate, activist advocates, try saying that five times fast, out of Washington, D.C. Frank, I appreciate your phone call. God bless you for everything you just said and for everything that you do as well. Going to get back on the immigration issue. We're going to tie it to politics and to the opioid epidemic. Zach Taylor is going to join us next. He'll be the next Act for America speaker on Monday, and we're going to talk to him right here on AM 1420, The Answer, after the news. Thanks for joining us. Ten thirty-five now as we continue on AM fourteen twenty. The answer marching inexorably toward eleven o'clock, and uh, at eleven o'clock you'll have Mike Gallagher. Then you're going to have Dennis Prager, Michael Medved, Jay Seculo, Larry Elder, all day, all night, right here on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Okay, I want to get back into the um, immigration issue for obvious reasons. I mean, you have the left continuing to uh, demand to uh, allow undocumented undocumented immigrants to vote. 
That is a problem. You're the candidate for uh, Georgia governor. Uh, uh, what's her name? Stacy? Was it Stacy? Uh, yeah, it was Stacy Abrams uh, saying that undocumented immigrants are going to be a part of the blue wave. Uh, we, of course, have seen countless numbers of examples of voter fraud. Uh, that's a big problem. That's a very big problem with respect to illegal immigration. But there are a lot of other problems as well, including the number of drugs that continue to flow across our border with the illegal immigrants, drug cartels, drug runners, mules, and so on and so forth. And uh, all of this kind of ties together in an unholy alliance. Uh, and that's what we're going to talk about next. Our next guest is going to be the keynote speaker at uh, the next Act, Act for America gathering, which is going to be an online gathering while they uh, put the uh, finishing touches on the um, Club Motor Estates location where they hold most of the actual in-person meetings. So it's going to be an online event on Monday at 7.30, I believe. Yeah, it's going to be at 7.30, and the guest speaker is going to be uh, Zach Taylor, chairman and border security expert for the National Association of Former Border Patrol Officers. This could not have timed up any better than right now to have him uh, on the air today and then in Cleveland uh, by way of the uh, Zoom um, presentation on Monday because there is another migrant uh, caravan. I will call them invaders rather than migrants because they're walking and marching under the Honduran flag ready to invade the United States. Um, but they're, they are coming to the United States even as we speak. Lord knows bringing what and what kinds of people and what kinds of criminals might be infiltrated among their ranks. Certainly not suggesting that they are all that. But we have that going on. At the same time, here in the state of Ohio, we have issue one before us on the November 6th ballot. Issue one, which will kill Ohioans, a lot of them, by essentially decriminalizing possession and trafficking of some of the most dangerous drugs there are, including fentanyl and other opioids that have led to uh, so many deaths in Ohio and around the country. So it's with all of that, we say good morning to Zach Taylor, uh, who's going to be presenting on Monday his presentation titled Connecting the Dots, Border Insecurity, Politics, and the Opioid Crisis Here in America. Zach, thank you so much for your time this morning. How are you, sir? Just fine, Bob. Thank you for inviting me on. It is a pleasure to have you on. As I noted uh, in my introduction, uh, really, it could not be timed up more perfectly to have you here to talk about border security or insecurity, as it were, as well as the opioid issue. So uh, I'm going to give you a chance before I ask you specific questions about caravans and Mexican government complicity or work to try to stop this uh, uh, this Central American um, uh, onslaught from coming to the United States. Let me just ask you for an overview of the presentation, uh, because those three things people may or may not realize how connected they are in border, the border uh, politics and the opioid crisis. Well, the obvious is that heroin, fentanyl, fake prescription medications, methamphetamine, and cocaine are all produced foreign, have to cross the United States border, and be transported to the various cities in the United States for sale to the American consumer. So every state that has an opioid problem with heroin, fentanyl, and fentanyl-laced other drugs such as cocaine, uh, methamphetamine, and marijuana has a border insecurity problem. And because it comes from foreign, based on the activities of transnational criminals, their direct associates have to be present in the United States to make the delivery to the distributors in the various cities. 
and that is not being talked about uh, by anybody but us. And, of course, Daniel Horowitz, who uh, makes the case much better than I do many times. Yeah, Daniel, is, um, is this is right up his alley. It's kind of interesting. As I finished my interview with him just a few minutes ago, I followed up with a text message asking him if he was very familiar with your work because what your presentation is on is is what he has written about many many times and I think he wants to participate in the uh, uh, in the uh, Zoom uh, conference and presentation on Monday so that's a good thing to maybe connect you guys. Um, so l- let me and let me ask you as we talk about the 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 production and the manufacturing of all of these drugs and uh, uh, you know including the fake prescription drugs as as well as the fentanyl and the heroin and so on and so forth in foreign countries. What are we talking about here as far as reach? Are we talking about just maybe down into the Central American, Latin American, South American countries? Are we talking globally and it's yet finding its way across our border and into the United States? Well, j- just remember politics. And criminal activity, per se, uh, the driving forces are power and money, money and power. The drugs would not be uh, manufactured foreign and transferred into the United States for sale if there wasn't a great profit in it. Now, as far as heroin is concerned, if a man has 100 pounds of heroin and he breaks it down into 10 different shipments to come across the U.S. border. If he buys it foreign from the producer and he only gets one 10-pound load to Cleveland, Ohio, he's made a profit. What other business do you know of that can provide a criminal with that kind of incentive to engage in a criminal act when, in fact, it's more likely that he will only lose one of the ten yeah, so that's it. <clears throat> Go ahead. No, please continue. So the incentive to engage in this business attracts many people who have absolutely no compunction about delivering deadly drugs to the United States population. And the opioid crisis, per se, as Congress is viewing it, is a false hope. Because they're doing it in reverse. First of all, they're going after doctors and pharmacists, which, by the way, cannot write a prescription and send it to Walgreens to give a patient heroin or heroin-laced fentanyl. It doesn't happen. The Center for Disease Control is reporting all opioid deaths as opioid deaths, and the assumption is, is that the starter or the intake into the opioid addiction is prescription medications. But there's no indication and no evidence that the person that overdosed on something that looks like a prescription medication actually took a prescription medication and does not indicate at all whether or not that person had a prescription for a legal opioid. It just counts numbers. And that is where the problem comes in. When you take and put in false information or incomplete information into data, you get misleading information coming out the other end. For instance, mm-hmm. if a officer goes to the site or a medical examiner goes to the site of what is suspected as an opioid death and they pick up a prescription bottle medication of OxyContin, 
on the bottle it says count 30 no refills they open the and they see the date was five days previous to this death and they open the bottle and there's 31 pills in it the person that has overdosed has a prescription for Oxycontin, 30, count. Mm -hmm. <coughs> well, the presumption is is that he took his two a day for five days, so there should be 20 Oxycontin in that bottle, not 31. That should be an immediate key to the medical examiner to do a breakdown, chemical analysis on each and every remaining pill in that bottle, but it's not being done. The Oxycontin that is produced foreign and smuggled in by the drug companies is made on the same equipment that the Oxycontin in the United States is made on. And if you lay one side by side on a table, no pharmacist in the United States can tell them apart. Wow. So what, so what actually killed that person? Because the investigation is incomplete. The information that goes into the data bank is incomplete. So you get incomplete information coming out the other end. If the problem is heroin, then it is a transnational criminal problem, not a doctor and pharmacist inside the United States problem. And so the, the Congress is dealing with and penalizing doctors, drug companies, and pharmacists for the opioid crisis when they have no compelling evidence that that is the problem. So you have to go back to what drives politics, and that's money and power, power and money. And if they're going after the big drug companies in America, well, they've already done that with Obamacare, and now they're just adding a second layer onto it. It's going to do nothing but reduce lawful pain medications to people in pain and drive them to the illegal painkillers. Well, is that really what they want to do? I would hope not. I would hope not. That's what's going to lead to more deaths because... Uh, well, exactly. Yeah. And, and what, you, what you'll see is the people in the age category of retirees that have legitimate health problems, uh, fibromyalgia, cancer, ad infinitum, and they go to the doctor, and the doctor says, well, according to the government, I can only give you uh, 24 hours worth of OxyContin, so come back and see me in 72 uh, on Monday. Uh, well, what does that put the person in this uh, level 10 pain in the position of doing? And is that overdose they take done knowingly because they can't take the pain anymore? Right. Okay. Knowing, so, knowing what, what the fear is, is, too. Or, I mean, I'm sorry, knowing okay. what the danger is as well. I mean, they, they're willing to, I would imagine anyway, God, God forbid I'm in that situation, but, but they're willing to run the risk. They know that this might lead to something. It may lead to an addiction. It may lead to an overdose. And yet the pain is so severe, they, 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 they're willing to run that risk. Yeah, and it's the easy way to commit suicide because it's painless. There, there you go. That ends the pain. That's that's right. An intentional right. overdose. So it's not just the risk of an overdose. You're right. That's a great point I hadn't considered. Not just the uh, you know the risk of an overdose uh, and the risk of an addiction being developed, but just you know what? Yeah, I'm going to take as many as I can. It'll end the pain permanently. Right. Or if they know that they only need to take one. 
and they're left with the prospect that they're, uh, let's call them their heirs or the family that's left behind, mm-hmm. will feel like, you know, that the pain was so great they took this legal and, and did not, in fact, commit suicide when, in fact, they did. And so it saves the embarrassment for the family that's left behind. I mean, there's so many ways to look at this. Wow, that that's such a that's such a I, yeah. I mean, you're 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 going in directions I'd never even consider, and I I doubt very many other people have as well. And it won't look like suicide, and it will look like they just took their normal pain medication. And then, of course, uh, you know, in addition to saving themselves the embarrassment, does that not throw the finger of blame at the uh, the doctor who prescribed? Exactly. And how is the Congress going to sue? the transnational drug organizations that aren't located in the United States. Well, they can't. Right. So what do they do? They take on the people that they can sue and milk money and uh, cause uh, money to flow to different congressional offices to represent one side or the other. Um, we're talking with Zach Taylor, if you just turn the radio on. Zach is a chairman and border security expert for the National Association of Former Border Patrol Officers. What's the purpose of your organization, former officers uh, banding together, to do what? To inform me, in 2006, when John Kyle and uh, George Bush, George W. Bush, mm-hmm. were uh, presenting their 2006 version of the 86th Amnesty, we banded together to bring the American people the truth about both amnesty and the 2006 proposal because there was so much misinformation and disinformation coming out of Washington and the press about it. And all of us had lived through the 86th amnesty and, and, some, and, and some of us through IRA-IRA in 96, that we knew that anything that came out of the Congress would be suspect, and so we looked into it very carefully and decided to form an organization to bring the truth to the American people, which is what we did. And since the misinformation and disinformation continues and the will on the part of Congress not to solve the illegal immigration problem, we have continued as an organization to bring the truth to the American people and to the Congress, who we uh, communicate with frequently, about what the American people actually need and uh, the purpose of the immigration laws, which seems to get lost purposefully. Do you, um, do you, Zach, and and your organization, the NAFBO, have the ears of anyone in Congress? One of our uh, policies is we don't discuss who we talk to. Okay. But we do talk face-to-face with United States senators and congressmen, and we do communicate with their offices on a weekly basis, at least. Because it's one thing. The reason I ask should be fairly obvious, because what you're going to tell the folks at the um, at the uh, presentation, the online presentation on Monday, uh, is is one thing to tell it to the folks. It's another thing to tell it to Congress that they're doing it wrong, that they're doing this in reverse. They're attacking the problem backwards, as you say, by starting with the doctors and the prescribers here in the states. Uh, and, and you know everything that you just explained. It's one thing to say to us. It's another thing to get it in their ears and see if they can act on it. That's the reason I ask if you uh, have any willing listeners. You don't have to name them, but do you, if you do have people in Congress who get it, they choose to accept the false premise that it begins with prescription medications. Wow. Uh, They have been uh, specifically, pointedly, and graphically informed. And I will point out that the heroin 
overdose death and crisis began in early in in late 2009 and exhibited itself in 2010 and it's been a, an up scale ever since until 2017 which is the only hard data we have mm-hmm. since 2009 we're still waiting on 2018 and i have a feeling it's going to be a lot worse than 2017 I have no doubt. It, I have no doubt that's going to be the case if they're not attacking it, you know, any better than they have been. Uh, it's it's only going to exacerbate uh, as as they become more readily available. Um, Zach, I want to get this information out there again here because we're short on time. Uh, so it's a Zoom event, which is another online presentation for those who want to listen to your presentation in full. You just gave me and us the thumbnail sketch version of this. The, the full presentation is Monday, 7.30 p.m. You can watch from your home or wherever you might be. You can watch on your computer screen, <clears throat> your tablet, your smartphone. It's completely free. And if you want to register, you've got to email info at actcleveland.org. Info at actcleveland.org. Send an email to that particular email address. Request registration for the event presented by Zach Taylor on Monday, and uh, you'll get you'll be given instructions on how to make that happen. So if you want to join, uh, by all means, send an email to info at actcleveland.org, and uh, that's uh, where you will indeed. I hope I have that email address correct. I think I do. But that's where you'll be able to be connected with uh, Zach uh, Taylor's presentation. Zach, thank you so very much for everything you're doing. Uh, I really appreciate it. I don't know. How large is your organization, by the way? How many people like you are out there getting this info out? We, there's all kinds of things we don't disclose because we don't okay. want our, peop- our people um, harassed. Understood. Under no, I get it. I totally get. It. I totally understand that. I, I respect and appreciate that. There's a lot of things we have to do in the name of security, uh, including that's why you have to email to get access to this presentation because we don't want it being uh, hacked or disrupted by people who are trying to stop you from doing what you are doing. So, uh, Zachary Taylor, thank you so much. Connecting the dots: border insecurity, politics, and the opioid crisis in America. Monday, seven thirty, online only. Email info at uh, uh, I'm sorry, info at actcleveland.org. Uh, to get access to this. Zach, thanks very much. Look forward to your presentation on Monday. Thank you, John. Thank you so much. All right, it's uh, 1054. We're way short on time. Let's catch up and uh, come back in and wrap this bad boy up on AM 1420 The Answer. Wow, uh, that was a... Packed with information program. Uh, really, really important stuff there from uh, Daniel Horowitz in the 9 o'clock hour and from uh, Zachary Taylor in the 10 o'clock hour. Again, that email address if you're interested in watching that presentation and participating via Zoom. Not exactly sure how Zoom works. I'm assuming it's like Skype. I, I hope and think there might be ways for you to interact and actually ask questions of Zach Taylor in that event, uh, but that's something you can find out when you email info at actcleveland.org. Um, Back to the Daniel Horowitz part of this, too. I just tweeted something out that I want to reemphasize on the air. And what I tweeted was Daniel Horowitz's article, his most recent article for uh, Conservative Review. And if you don't have Conservative Review, by the way, bookmarked on your browser, whether it's on a phone or a computer or whatever, then you're, you're doing it wrong. You need to make sure that you do that. Uh, because that's where you read all the great work from Daniel and also many of his colleagues as well, including Mark Levin. But... Um, his article today is so poignant, and I, what I tweeted was, 
the president of the United States, President Donald J. Trump, is saying all of the right things with respect to this invasion of the United States by Central America and Central American citizens who are being, I believe, paid by outside sources and influences, such as perhaps George Soros, because there's no way these poor people coming from a country where the average uh, household income is about $2,300 are able to make a trip from Guatemala, or from uh, Honduras through uh, Guatemala, through Mexico, and into the United States. It's going to cost each person about $4,000 just in supplies, for crying out loud. Gas for the vehicles, food for the walkers, and so on and so forth. It's an invasion. It's one thing for the president to say the right thing, which he's done, but now it's time for him to do the right thing. And Daniel's article in Conservative Review explains how the president has unique power to stop this whole thing. I hope he does it, and we'll talk more about it tomorrow. Mike Gallagher's next. We'll see you tomorrow. Enjoy the silence. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.